Freaks, I got to be up front with you. I'm sorry. We forgot to do the shout outs. So if you're one of those freaks who skips the, the ads in the beginning because you don't like them, because you don't like supporting our podcast, just kidding, uh, don't skip through this. Uh, Matt and I got so heated in our rip today. Uh, we got so lost in the content, so lost in the topics that we were discussing. We forgot to get to the shout out. So uh, it would be remiss of me to completely forget them. I know it's not what you expected. So if you purchase one of these free shout outs and you were angry, uh, we can reread them again next week or do a free shout out via DMs. But I feel it is imperative to stay true to the nature of the shout out and the ethos of the shout out that I read them for this episode since you paid for them. Here's the first one. It is a balmy 72 degrees Fahrenheit tonight in three-way Arizona. Three-way Arizona. Like three ways common in three-way Arizona. This is like me riffing off the name of, of this city, I'm, I'm assuming. Why is it three-way Arizona? Are people having many three-ways in three-way Arizona? It's a bit hedonistic. If you are having three-ways in three-way Arizona, think about just like a monogamous relationship, you know? Just kidding. I'm not going to imbue my morality on you. Back to the shout-out. Tonight in three-way Arizona, we have a light breeze coming in out of the northeast at two miles per hour. Out here in the desert, we are sitting in an absolutely delightful 26% humidity. Do yourself a favor. Get out of the cold. Get out of the snow. And come down to see us in balmy three-way Arizona. Happy Dirtbag Friday from Skeef. Second shout-out is a question. Very good question. I actually had to look this one up. Uh, to to make sure I could answer the, the question correctly. Who is more corrupt, the Biden family or Karl Mark Force the Fourth? Sincerely, John Doe. Sincerely, sincerely, John Joe. John Doe. If you can tell, we drank some whiskey during this rap hole recap. So who is more corrupt, the Biden family or Karl Mark Force the Fourth? Who the fuck is Karl Mark Force the Fourth? You may be asking. I'll be asking myself that question when I first read this shout out earlier this week. I had to look it up on Wikipedia. And Karl Mark Force the Fourth is one of the FBI agents uh, in the Silk Road case who hid some Bitcoin and and set Ross Albrecht up with the uh, the uh, I believe so. I believe this is correct in saying that like, he sort of set him up one of the classic fbi setups for the the hit um so i believe he stole some bitcoin from that case and then was integral in uh getting ross a more uh harsh sentence because he set him up in in a in a uh hitman type situation which he probably wouldn't have done if Karl mark force the fourth the FBI, fbi agent did put him in that situation so who's more corrupt the biden family or Karl mark force the fourth i think if the allegations against the biden family are true which hey this is what i believe you can believe what you want to believe with the information presented over the last few weeks i believe that the biden family is considerably corrupt and uh, when you compare the biden family to the Karl mark force fourth situation I just think because of uh, the amount of people that are affected by the Biden family corruption, if it turns out to be true, which I think it may, uh, I think that's that's more corrupt because it affects more people. That's how I would decide that. And last but not least, our third shout out. Ha, ha, you're bloody well right. You know you're right to say. Yeah, yeah, you're bloody well right. You know you're right to say. Me, I don't care anyway. 
Alves of the Cross. I believe that was a, a reference to Super Tramp. I don't think that's like the exact lyrics of the show. Right, right. You bloody well right. You know you got the right to say. Right, oh, right. You got the bloody right. You got the bloody right to say. I had a shout out, or excuse me, a final thought yesterday uh, where I said uh, Super Tramp is an incredible band. Uh, so if you freaks don't know about Super Tramp, I believe they're 80s British rock band. I believe they're around the 80s, early 90s. Uh, that was one of the mainstays. The best of Super Tramp was one of the mainstays in the Bent Family car growing up. And just a huge fan. You know, it's like uplifting music. Uh, I think they're an underrated band. I said that in the final thought yesterday. I believe that's what this shout-out is referring to. I could be wrong. Um, I believe so. So shout-out to Alice of the Cross, John Doe, and uh, our boy Skeef for the shout-outs this week. Sorry we did not get them live in the rip. Again, Matt and I got caught up in the topics. Uh, if you guys are displeased with the the delivery of the shout-outs and the fact that I'm delivering them myself without any feedback from Matt, let me know. We'll work something out. You know where to find me. Enjoy it. Take care. Sup, freaks? It's your boy Marty here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt Rabbit Hole Recap Edition. Is that how we're saying it now? Whatever. We're just going to go with it. All right. This episode of Rabbit Hole Recap is a good rip. Matt and I spoke for about two hours. A lot of intense topics. You get very passionate. Cuck mentality is brought up a couple times, but you know what? It's a give and pull here. So we're going to be raw with you at RHR, okay? We'll always promise you that. On top of that, this episode is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. You freaks all know you freaks already know all about them. If you don't know about them, let me tell you about them. I'm going to use stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats. And if you want to DCA in the sats, either daily, weekly, or biweekly, the Catch App is letting you do that too. Remember that our good friend, Matt O'Dell, is daily stacking? Daily stacking at 5 a.m. So we need you freaks to wake up at 4.30 a.m. and front run Matt O'Dell because he's trying to front run uh, the East Coast of America with his 5 a.m. stack. We cannot have him front running. We need you guys to front run him. You can do that via the Cash App. It's the easiest way to stack sats. On top of that, if you want to stack slivers of stonks, you can do that via the Cash App as well. If your favorite stonks are a little too expensive, the Cash App is letting you buy as little as $1. Because all of this is connected to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start stacking sats or slivers of stonks today. Cash App may even be your bank account. They're allowing you to get account numbers and routing numbers so you can get your paychecks direct deposited into the app, all right? When you download the app, if you haven't already, make sure you use the code STACKINGSATS. It's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Across. That's Owls Across. Use the code STACKINGSATS. Download the Cash app, and then when you do that, go check out our good friends at Unchained Capital. You freaks should know about them as well. They're doing incredible stuff, uh, creating... Uh, financial service products with a security-first mindset for Bitcoiners with a very, very, very large focus on multi-sig. Uh, if you want to go from zero to having UTXOs in a multi-sig vault on Unchained Capital, they're offering a very, 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 very special for you freaks, a white glove concierge service. You're going to get $50 off. It's a $1,500 service, but you're going to pay $1,400 or $1,450 $1, if you tell them the TFTC send you. 
And in this package, what is included, they're going to walk you through everything you need to know. So you're going to have multiple video conference calls with the Unchained Capital team. They're going to have their white gloves on. They're going to walk you through what multi-sig is, why it's important, why you should care about it, why you should secure your UTXOs in a multi-sig account. Uh, if you have any questions about multi-sig, they're there to answer to you. Then if you need them, they're going to send you hardware wallets so that you can set up your uh, multi-sig vault with Unchained. And then once you have that set up, they've answered all your questions. They got you as comfortable as possible with their Wake Love Concierge service. You're going to set up a vault and they're going to dump $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in it. So you're going to go from zero to $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in your Unchained Capital multi-sig vault uh, with their concierge service. On top of that, they have their OTC desk, which you're rolling out. If you're a high net worth individual looking to buy a big chunk of Bitcoin, Unchain is there to help you. Uh, it's in multiple states not right now, not every state, but on their website, they have what states they're included in. So if you are out there, you're listening to this, you want to buy a big chunk of Bitcoin, Unchain has their OTC desk that they're rolling out. Go check that out on top of that. They have all their open source contributions, including Caravan, which is an open source software uh, solution, or excuse me, it's open. they've open sourced their multi-sig quorum that they use for their vaults program. If you want to use that without Unchain, Caravan has been open sourced so that you can do that by yourself. You can set up your own multi-sig wallet. And then on top of that, they have their blog series. Uh, they have Parker Lewis running uh, gradually and suddenly Will Cole running about the the products, uh, Buck Purley writing about products as well. Phil Geiger writing about uh, why we're defending the 21 million Bitcoin limit and a bunch of other stuff. Shout out to Drew and Joe Kelly, Drew Bunsall and Joe Kelly, who started this company. Huge fans of Unchained Capital. Go to www.unchained-capital.com. Check out everything they have. But if you want to check out the concierge service specifically, I'm linking to that in the show notes. Hope you guys enjoy this rip. Matt and I had a lot of fun. Love all y'all rate review spread the love fight for your freedoms fight for your freedoms it's important no cuck mentalities anymore we don't we don't have the ability to have cuck mentalities anymore fight for your freedoms Take care. you've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free if you talk about a fed just gone nuts all all the central banks going nuts so it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Matthew, what a week, what a day. I feel like today, pretty huge day. In many regards, not just for Bitcoin, uh, but for a lot of reasons. We were talking before we hit record. I'm a bit heated about what's going on with Glenn Greenwald, the co-founder of The Intercept, forced out via censorship. I mean, they didn't force him out. He resigned because they they censored a article he wanted to write about uh, the Hunter Biden laptop, I guess. It's pretty crazy pushing out. Or forcing out via resignation. I guess uh, Glenn Greenwald is a very principled man. Couldn't stand for that. One of the best journalists in the world, in my opinion, right now. I don't always agree with him, but I think he's, uh, in terms of being a good journalist, one of the best out there. Obviously, dropping the Snowden leaks, mm -hmm. 
gets huge props for that. Um, crazy day. Yeah, I mean, Glenn, Glenn got, uh, Glenn got a Hall of Fame legendary status for Snowden leaks. Period. Yeah. End of day. That 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 that's it. And he started the intercept afterwards because he released those leaks through the Guardian, and he was getting so much pushback at the Guardian um, to the point where I, I, I not only were they was he getting pushback inside the Guardian, the UK government raided the Guardian's office offices and like took a bunch of their hard drives and shit like that while they were reporting on the Snowden leaks. It was like crazy shit. Um, I remember his partner, he's, uh, he's gay. His partner was traveling to the UK and the UK has like horrible encryption laws. And they, 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 they detained the partner for like 10, 10 hours. And they tried to get him to give up the passwords to the, to the encrypted hard drives that he was traveling with. Um, so I have tons of respect for Glenn. Um, yeah, I mean, at a high level, right. The, the difference between being forced out and being treated to a point where you feel you have to resign is that it's really, there's, there's no real difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think his partner is officially his husband now. Um, but astonishing. I tweeted it out like 20 minutes ago. I think, I mean, we've been calling this for a while, but I think this instance particularly is the official death of, journalism in the media industry as we knew it before Whoa. we're going to move to uh, I don't know about that individual journalists p- posting on self-published blogs i think that's that's the way forward i mean i i think corporate journalism is already fucked um the intercept was a weird beast to begin with because it was like kind of this halfway step to this he's moved to substack Um, which isn't fully self-hosted, but basically like this idea of that every person, including TFTC, uh, has like their own blog um, and their own RSS feeds. You know, here at TFTC, we have three RSS feeds. We have this podcast, we have Marty's Bent, and we have the Sad Standard, all three RSS feeds that you can subscribe to if you have an app. Um, It's an open standard, and you can get all of your RSS feeds there, Um, which is probably the closest thing we're going to get to like a distributed network, at least for now. Um, and it exists currently. But with The Intercept, it was interesting because it was like a half step there because it wasn't really corporate media. It was it was rich man funded media. So so Glenn, Glenn co-founded it. But really, all the money was one of the PayPal Adam founders. ER. Yeah. Adam ER or something like that. Right. And he was just this rich guy who who helped co-found PayPal. Um, and he just bankrolled the whole fucking thing. Right. Like, I don't to this day, like. Intercept doesn't have a business model. I I don't know like how they didn't make any money. I don't think they ever made any money. Um, so it was it was to to me to say him getting pushed out of the Intercept. Intercept was never corporate media, right? Intercept was this like half step towards basically where we're going anyway. Yeah, well, PayPal's corporation, funded by corporations. I know, but he's not a corporate. You know, I I no. It's a little bit different, right? Than like like a. Like an intercept is is a way different model than a New York Times or a CNN. I agree, but I or think a Fox News. I think it's more the corporate media mindset that forced him to leave. Like, hey, don't go against the grain of what the narrative is now. You wanted to publish something about the Biden laptops, and they said no. You can't. You have to take the stuff out about Biden before you can publish this, and that is. 
may not be specifically corporate media in a structural sense, but uh, from a mindset, certainly is, right? Don't go against the grain. Stay in line. Make sure you're you're parroting the party line. Yeah, but I mean... Um, crazy to see. But, I mean, I think everyone has bias, right? So, you know, I, I think it's it's probably them protect i mean i haven't really read into it but i it's it's what is this guy's name the paper the 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 main bank roller of intercept he's like protecting his bias is what he's doing right um but i I don't think times as does okay but i don't think that going like independent media protects from bias like we're gonna have tons of bias the the key for people is that they're gonna have to use fucking critical thinking and have personal responsibility and try and understand what all these different biases are and take them into effect, take them into account, right? Like, like independent media does not solve that. Um, no, and I don't, think, I don't think that's what I'm trying to say either because we, we admit that quite a bit on this podcast. Like, we have a very uh, public bias uh, that we like Bitcoin. Super pro-ripple podcast. Wear, <laughs> yeah, just wear it on your sleeve and be upfront with it and let people decide from there. Uh, I guess the gatekeeping, the narrative gatekeeping, the the publishing gatekeeping of the traditional media is eroding in front of us. And they kicked out one of their best. I mean, again, don't always agree with Glenn's politics, but I, I think it's impossible to deny that he is an incredible journalist that uh, actually does stuff the way a journalist probably should go about reporting on events no i mean i love greenwald i'm a huge i'm a huge greenwald fan i just yeah i i just i i think it's important to realize like i just i think regardless of how this played out the intercept was an important step towards basically the direction we're going to is what i'm saying right like the intercept is a direction away from corporate media towards more independent media and and we're never going to cure bias or corruption or whatever but but the idea is if, if we can have many voices heard and many different options for people to listen to, then hopefully people will, you know, use critical thinking and take some responsibility and, and fucking find out the facts for themselves, right? But we're never going to be able to – it's impossible. Like part of the reason why we're in the corporate media hellhole that we're in right now is because people lack social uh, personal responsibility. They, people are soft. Like there, there's no, you can't handhold people on the truth. Like never going to happen. Like that, there, there's no easy solution there. Like people are going to have to fucking take some responsibility. Yeah. No, I mean, this was written in the sovereign individual. Some, some Bitcoiners love this book, including myself. It's incredible how prescient it was in the information age. The onus is on the individual to discern what is true and what is false. And that dictates that you, must be able to think critically, uh, separate the signal from the noise, if you will. So it's interesting. Things are getting more and more chaotic. We haven't even talked about Bitcoin yet. Let's jump to Clark Moody's dashboard, get right into it. Um, I don't know how you pay attention to all this bullshit, Marty, when like Bitcoin, Bitcoin is like so much exciting shit is going on right now in the Bitcoin land. Like I just, I've uh, like this whole like, well, having what right now a hash rate like the, looks like the difficulty is going to drop fifteen percent um, 
in the middle of a bull market. Like I know that that we have these seasonal things happen in China where the rainy season ends. We I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. Have we? Uh I mean, we've seen this the largest yeah difficulty downward difficulty adjustment i think was like around 20 percent at some point and was that during a bull run or was that during like after a having like in like a bearish kind of situation let's see i'm going to your your favorite website to check this stat which is uh ptc.com like i can't help but think like if we were going to see some type of like chinese attack like this is like what the front of the chinese attack would look like you know, like if they're like the Chinese mining FUD bullshit we always hear, like this is the type of situation you would see where you just see insane fee pressure in the middle of a bull run and all of a sudden just hash rate just drops off the fucking network in the middle of a difficulty period. Um, give me a sec. We had a negative 18% percent difficulty adjustment 2011. Uh, actually inconsequential damn, that we can't even use that as any kind of data point. exactly exactly nine years ago almost on um, october 30th 2011 next biggest one after that i believe is negative 15 percent which was december 2018 yeah so bear market um and since then we had a negative 16 percent drop in March of this year after that. Bear market. That price having, crash. Having and bear market. Ha- having in price ha- crash, not bear market necessarily, but hi- having in price crash. That was before the having, so it wasn't the having. Right, but like um, having coming up with a price crash. Yeah, well, miners would be incentivized to keep their... The, it was more the price crash. But the weird the thing here is we've have a post-having situation, price is surging... Fees are surging and hash rate is dropping, right? Well, yeah. I don't want you spreading FUD. That is just like a Chinese attack. Like, so I'm not spreading FUD. I being, don't think it's a Chinese attack. Being in some of the minor groups on Telegram and other messaging, like it, so the way it works with the Chinese wet season, with the rainy season is, which I didn't realize this until earlier this week, the miners and it makes a lot of sense like oh, how did i not think of this they sign power purchase agreements right. essentially locking in and the power purchase agreement contracts uh came to an end last weekend i believe so you can um actually go on i forget what the site is but there's a site that monitors self-reported caveat here self-reported hash rate from mining pools and if you look at all the chinese mining pools last weekend there was just a considerable drop in hash rate um some people are estimating 25 percent to 35 percent has fallen off since last weekend they are currently trying to mine or excuse me move their miners to uh, other areas where energy is cheaper than the the increasing power costs at the hydroelectric dams as the rainy season ends um, so I wouldn't actually be surprised if like today, tomorrow, we see hash rate sort of going back up because it's been about a week uh, in the... The miners have been in transit. In the mining channels that I'm in, the the consensus is that the transit takes like 5 to 12 days, depending on any particular miner. So um, people should start pl- replugging those in. Some, Not all of them will be replugging in. Some of them will be just selling... Um, selling, selling them to someone miners. else who's going to replug them. Yeah, in. it's the same difference. Yeah, 
so that would take, but that would take a little longer to replug them in. Uh, yeah. And there's another interesting thing too. Like I would imagine a lot of these Chinese miners, just the product of being in China and being close to the manufacturing of the newest miner models. It's pretty popular rumor, well-known. Uh, I think you could say it's like a well-known dirty secret that a lot of the Chinese miners get access to the, the newest hardware first. Um, or even some of the manufacturers will self mine with the, the latest hardware. And so if that's true, they were using the most efficient ASICs on the market and they're pulling those off. So that, that would actually affect hash rate a little bit more severely as well. Um, but yeah, it has been interesting. The, but I've been, tra- I've been tracking the fees as a percentage of overall reward and it's been increasing, uh, pretty pretty steadily over the week right now, according to Clark's dashboard, it's at thirty point eight six percent. Predicted next block reward is nine point zero four Bitcoin, so that's um, that's two point seven six Bitcoin. Like six point two five is the fixed reward plus yeah. fees. Did just two, a couple things seven, here. Nine. We we have the 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 this mining this seasonal you know, wet season thing is, is been known. It's the thing that happens every year, right? Never seen it to this scale before, like where we were hitting like all time highs and then we come back down. I'm not saying that's an attack. I'm just saying, and I don't think it's an attack this time. I'm just, and I, I find that, and I, I don't think the Bitcoin network's at risk. I find this shit exciting because when it comes to Chinese mining FUD, this is what an attack I think would look like, right? On the surface, this is what an attack would look like. It would be like in the middle of a difficulty adjustment, you just, like the government just starts pulling hash, right? They like just force people to pull hash and they use some excuse or whatever. I don't think that's the case. The second thing, which you did touch on, which I think is really interesting, is one of the coolest dynamics with Bitcoin is part of this death mire. And before I hit, hit this, we've been, we called this on the RHR before it happened. I mean, besides my one sap per byte meme that we had been saying for weeks, we specifically last said week. the rainy season thing before the fees spike. So if you were listening on RHR last week, you knew it was going to happen. Okay. The other thing is, people, this is where the death spiral FUD comes in, right? Mining death spiral. And the idea is that Bitcoin miners start pulling off hash, and it creates this horrible death spiral where we never hit the difficulty adjustment period. Because if people say difficulty adjusts every two weeks to bring back mining in line with every every 10 minutes we get a block. Right now we're at like 15 minutes per block. Um, no, we're at like 11. Okay, whatever. Okay, thank you. That, that's actually a big difference. Thank you for telling, saying that. But anyway, um, where, where we get into this... 11.40. Okay, 11.40. Where we get into this, uh, this, this death spiral where we, we'd never hit the difficulty adjustment period because the difficulty adjustment period is measured by blocks, not actually by weeks. So, so we're watching as right now, as hash rate falls off the network, the difficulty adjustment period is going farther and farther away um, from where we are. Like right now, I think it's like Tuesday is when it's when people think it's going to happen, right? Monday, November second. But before it was like Saturday or Sunday. But anyway, the key is is as the fee pressure increases, miners have an incentive to come back on the network because they can make more money because the fees are backlogged and are increased. 
So it, it's this really cool dynamic that prevents that from happening. And in this case, as Marty touched on before, the reason we really haven't seen that happen is because presumably a lot of these miners are either in transit or in between contracts or are trying to sell their miners to someone else who's going to plug them in. So they literally can't plug them in again to take advantage of the increased fee pressure, um, which is just a, it's just a really interesting scenario that creates this. And then you mix that with the bull market that just creates more transaction demand. And we get this ridiculous fee spike that just took off. Like it just fucking came out fucking swinging. Like on Sunday, you could confirm a two sat per byte transaction. Now I have like 160 sat per byte transaction in the mempool that hasn't confirmed for three days. You know, there's just like it just keeps running away from us. Yeah. So looking at Clark's dashboard right now, and I think this has to be. I don't even think it's accurate. It's definitely not accurate. Media fee, 281 sat. That may be accurate. Check Hour fee, pool. 267. You say in a day, you can get it in at three sats per byte, which I find very no hard way. to believe. I mean, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, we may never see yeah. three sats. <laughs> we probably will. I'm just fucking around with deep freaks. Yeah. No. So, like, you explain the game theory perfectly. Like, that is the beauty of Bitcoin. Like, people... Uh, to... to Avenues of FUD with fees, usually uh, Bitcoin death, the mining death spiral, which like, we're seeing it now. Fees are making up thirty point eight two percent of the reward right now. You're, you're going to be able to get a considerable amount of Bitcoin, um, so that highly incentivizes miners to plug in. Like Matt said, a lot of these Chinese miners, particularly, are currently in transit to plug their machines back in. And then the other one, which is one of my favorites, that I love to talk about, love to debate people about is will a fee market ever develop and we're seeing it right now like this is a fee market developing and that's so that's actually wrote about it in the bent a couple days ago it'll be interesting to see once these chinese miners do plug back in those machines that were unplugged from the hydroelectric dams uh taking advantage of the rainy season get plugged in whether or not it's in china or somewhere outside of china uh, it will be interesting to see where the fee market stands after that, especially after a difficulty adjustment. Uh, was this pressure being driven purely by hash rate leaving the network and slowing down blocks? Or is it a combination of that and the fact that there's increased tra transactional demand um, that is also aiding in that? So will there be uh, maybe the fees as an overall percentage of the reward won't be at 30% after the next adjustment after more miners plug in, but will it be like a higher, a higher low than it was? Yeah. I believe last few weeks on RHR, it's been around 2%. So to see it at 30%, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's a combination. It's a combination. And we're also going to have uh, what I like to call user PTSD, which is basically what happened to me where on like, Tuesday, I sent 150 sat per byte transaction and fees just went out of hand from there. And it just never confirmed. And this is what we kind of talked about last week. It's like, who's that middle ground, you know, between the person who's willing to wait and the person who wants next block? I don't know. Like, there isn't that much of a middle ground because it can run away from you. So you want to overestimate. So it's going to take a while for things to get back to uh, uh, if, if transaction demand, if, if transaction demand is all else equal, it's going to take a while to get back down. I think no matter what, in a week after difficulty readjust, fee pressure will be lower, no matter what. The question is, does, does the backlog fully clear? 
and how long does it take for it to fully clear? No one really knows in that case. And I just want to do a quick shout out to our boy Katan, who says he only sends one sat per byte transactions. We've learned as of today, earlier today, the default setting on, on mempools across Bitcoin Core, if you run the standard on Bitcoin Core, is 300 megs. Um, that that means that once we have a backlog of over 300 megs worth of transactions, actually less because there's some overhead there. So about like 200 megs worth of transactions, you end up in a situation where they drop the lowest fee transactions. So one separate bytes got dropped and had to be rebroadcast. Um, so, you know, people said that wasn't going to happen so quickly. And here we are. Yeah. If you guys want to learn about that rebroadcasting stuff, our episode, Amizi, Amidi, excuse me, Amizi on Twitter. Um, Amidi Utoir, uh, we talked about that rebroadcasting specifically. I think we should hit the freaks yeah. with some actionable advice here on what they should, how, like how they should proceed with this current fee market. If you're have Bitcoin on an exchange, I would send it in one or two big UTXOs to cold storage. If you have a bunch of small UTXOs. Uh, I would try to consolidate. Maybe if you're low time preference, don't have to send a transaction. Wait till after the difficulty adjustment. Take this uh, this week as a warning and a, a shot across the bow to say, all right, I need to get my UTXO management under control. Uh, wait till after the difficulty adjustment when uh, the likelihood of fees going down is probably, uh, it's likely that fees will probably go down after that. Not a guarantee, of course, but I would guess that they would. Uh, take action after that to consolidate UTXOs and uh, if you want to especially if you want to do long term storage like get your stuff in long term storage and forget about it for 10 years um, if you have like a spending wallet maybe get a a UTXO threshold that you're comfortable with it with and get a get a number of UTXOs at that threshold in your wallet so that you can spend them in the future. Um, that's that's what I got off the top of my head. I think that's all very good actionable advice. Um, I would add, um, if you consolidate your transactions, well, first and foremost, if you don't have to make a transaction right now, let's just wait a week, reassess. That's what I'm doing. Just Let's just hold the line, just wait a week, reassess. Um, and, and, and see, see what happens after the difficulty adjustment. Cause like we said, it, it should definitely, it will definitely reduce fee pressure. The question is how much, um, if you consolidate your transactions, your UTXOs, you will have reduced future fee burden, um, because the input side of the transaction is pretty much what determines how big of your fee is. Um, you pay 20 sats per byte for five inputs on the input side versus 10 inputs. The 10 input one is going to be way more expensive. Um, keep in mind though, when you consolidate, you are obviously linking all of those UTXOs together. That is bad for privacy. If you have an existing transaction that's unconfirmed and you're on the receiving end, if the sender, if you trust the sender, no funds are at risk, worst comes to worst, it goes back to the sender and he can send it or he or she can send a new transaction to you with a higher fee or just wait or rebroadcast in the future. So you don't really have to do anything if you trust the sender. If you don't trust the sender, they if they broadcast if they originally sent an RBF transaction with some wallets default to replaced by fee, they can increase the fee on their side. 
If they won't do that or they didn't enable it in the first place, you can do something called a child pays for parent where you basically take that unconfirmed transaction, you send it to your, your own receive address, a new receive address with a higher fee, and it will confirm. Um, that doesn't need to be enabled or anything. You're literally just taking that unconfirmed transaction and sending it to yourself. That is way easier in wallets that offer coin control. Not all wallets offer coin control. Here at RHR and TFTC, we've been very vocal about wallets having coin control, at least as an advanced option. This is one of the fucking reasons why, guys. Um, if you don't have it in your wallet and you can't specifically select that unconfirmed transaction, you have two choices. You can do the shitty privacy method um, where you just send all to your own tra- your own, your own, um, your own ad- receive address, which will include the unconfirmed transaction, or you can import it into a wallet that offers it something like Spectre, Electrum, uh, Samurai, Wasabi. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and also, um, you can if, if you have funds on Cash App, which you shouldn't, um, they are still paying your fees. So you can get uh, you can get them to pay your fees if you send from Cash App. Yes, very good actionable advice. Do not do not panic. Hopefully, you've been listening to RHR for a while and uh, feel more prepared. Than other people who have not listened to this podcast. I don't want to toot our own horn here, but we do talk about toot this it. stuff a lot. Um, be prepared. Don't freak out. Uh, I assume most of you listening to this are, are long-term hodlers, but I know many of you uh, do use Bitcoin transactionally and in your everyday life. So think about opening lightning channels too. Be wary about opening those lightning channels. Uh, think about uh, the fee you may need to pay in the future if you close those channels. Take that into consideration when you're opening. I would open up channels that are that are relatively big so that you don't have to manage them as much. Uh, if you're a trader moving funds between exchanges, maybe think about Liquid, but you have to have the exchanges implement that too. So that may not be actionable advice. That might just be a pipe dream. Still, no one's using uh, Liquid. I was. If you look at Blockstream, it's like two transactions a block. Like if anything's going to do it, it'll be this kind of fee pressure. It has increased a little bit, which is good to see. On that note, what Marty said, yeah, Lightning and CoinJoin are really important to set yourself up now. Like if the fees subside, and, and look, this is why I've been incessant about talking about CoinJoin and Lightning before this happened. Fees should subside. Hopefully you learned your lesson. Get that shit fucking done before fees. Before we have like a sustained high fee situation forever for the foreseeable future, right? And and like CoinJoin gets in, in, insanely more expensive in a, a sustained high fee environment. You got to do it before the high fee environment to save yourself from some money. As Marty said, with Lightning, you want big channels, few. Not that many channels, very big. Like right now, I actually woke up this morning. I said to myself, fuck, didn't think about it. My LND node got a shit ton of on-chain UTXOs. I'm, I'm a lot freaks, over a thousand. It's bad. It's not a good situation. I, you know, it's for the cause. I'm, 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 if, if the fees never go back down, my ass doesn't get saved, then it's just, it's just donated scarcity to the, to the rest of the fucking network. But, but you don't want to end up in that situation. And, and just with Lightning in general... The best method, and you know, I like to learn by doing, and I guess I did, um, is 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 as few channels as possible, very very large. Yes, uh, and I know 
some of you freaks out there actually work at exchanges in the industry, uh, if you do, and your exchange has not implemented these second layer solutions, please lay a fire under the ass of the decision maker. Maybe you are the decision maker. Hopefully this week has lit a fire under your ass to start taking advantage of these solutions that could help alleviate fee pressure uh, for for your users. Yeah, we're not even off the, the dashboard yet. We're at block 654,688. I love you, Marty. 688. I suck. Uh, <laughs> one more thing on this fee bullshit. There's going to be some very interesting things about Lightning here. Lightning has never been stress tested in a high fee environment. Okay? And, and I was already, you know, my... My non-genius mind was already running through. There's all these different scenarios that we have not accounted for when fees are like fucking over 200 sats per byte and going crazy. And uh, Rene Picard himself, uh, one of the the premier lightning devs, uh, said today, he said, pre-negotiated fees might not be sufficient for your commitment transaction to be included in the case of a force close. New updates might use really high fees as five times of current fees are the recommendation, which kind of says to me, like, they were not prepared for this kind of high fee environment. So so I think there's like a bunch of edge cases that we don't really know about where lightning fails in this these within this high fee environment that no one is even considered. Like someone asked me, like, what am I concerned about? I'm concerned about what I'm not concerned about. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be concerned about. And I feel like I should be concerned about it. I'm less concerned, particularly after a conversation I had last night for the podcast with Ryan Gentry from lightning labs. Who's their new head of business development. I think they got some good minds working on it. It is, it's still experimental, but definitely look out for that podcast le- next week. Um, L&D particularly has some really cool things coming out that hopefully can alleviate all the shit that's going on this week. But it's not shit. It's just the nature of the protocol. This is the beauty of an open source monetary system that anybody can use at any given point in time uh, that is dependent on distributed stakeholders, including miners who have a very sensitive profit margin in mind and will unplug and, and move, uh, if need be. And we're seeing a culmination of just, uh, interesting timing with cheap energy prices in China and a, uh, increase in price and, and transactional volume on chain. Very good, very interesting case study in, in Bitcoin economics and, and fee market dynamics and, and block production dynamics. It's I'm not worried at all. This is, uh, again, if you're a hodler out there, you shouldn't be stressing at all. But we are still at block 654,688. <laughs> uh, there are currently 142,916 transactions at Clark Moody's dashboard 16.1% of them are using rbf replaced by fee uh next block it's been 15 minutes 20 seconds since the last block next block is predicted now to have 32.26 percent uh fees making up the reward it's predicted to be 9.23 bitcoin so almost three bitcoin in rewards it's pretty crazy to see almost one third uh the next 
retarget again is scheduled or estimated not scheduled estimated to be on november 2nd 2020 so monday it's 512 blocks from now and currently estimated to be a negative 14.2 percent uh adjustment and blocks are coming in at 11 minutes and 39 seconds on average during this epoch um Let's see how this is affecting Samurai. Ooh, it is. Unspent capacity down to 1,560.23 Bitcoin. Is I believe it was above 1,600 last week. No, it wasn't. Let me look. Are you sure? It wasn't. Uh, I think it was. I have the, I, like, I have the chart. Let me. I've been actually just, I've been keeping track like on my own. Um, I mean, the unspent value is about the same anyway with the. 21 million. You know they Pression. have a they have a bunch of, the the whirlpool transactions are going through they're just all they're all in the mem, they're all in mempool um they're all unconfirmed just sitting there it seems like the the volume's still there i mean as as long as it's the long term that really fucks us um or it doesn't fuck us but it just and it's expected like we know it's going to happen but it just becomes very expensive yeah i guess what what was it? October twenty second, we did it. Yeah, you're right. We were over sixteen thirty three. But on on October, we were at sixteen thirty three on October twenty first. But on October twenty fifth, we were at fifteen eighty eight, which was like right when the fee spike happened. Yeah, we're currently sitting. I at think mostly it was the it was the price four hundred seventy dollars. I think it was yeah it, the price increase. Like, cause think about it, right? You you have a bunch of UTXOs that are, are remixing in Whirlpool at, at your fixed fee. You paid the fee when you entered, right? And then Bitcoin goes up 30%. Then all of a sudden in your hot wallet, you have additional, is 30% more, right? So of course people are going to pull out. It's more that than the fees, I would say, at least right now. That, that's, my, that's my take. It's a good take. Speaking of the price increase, we're at $13,484. $1 is going to get you 7,416 sats. Uh, one Bitcoin is going to get you 7.2 ounces of gold. Currently above 2%, 2.07% of the to- Bitcoin's market cap is 2.07% of gold's total market cap. And you can currently buy, wow, this went up a lot since last week. You can currently buy 386 barrels of oil with one Bitcoin. Um, Oil's a shitcoin. What can I say? Yes. Interesting. Not that we... Uh, not that we... D- like like to focus on price talk around here <laughs> too often, but I think it is interesting that if we close above, I believe thirteen thousand eight hundred eighty dollars on Saturday, that'll be the highest monthly close since January two thousand eighteen, and it would coincide with the twelfth anniversary of Satoshi dropping the Bitcoin white paper on the cryptography mailing list, which would just be a bit poetic in my mind. Exactly, it's so, like almost exactly three cycles. Yeah, yeah, it's no, pretty crazy. I mean, we're for all intents and purposes, we're at all time high. There's I think like from a realized. There's like realized, thirty days uh, where people could have bought above the price that we're currently at. Yes, yes. And if you were stacking sats, it's almost impossible that you're underwater right now. Yeah. Like I, I, I haven't run the numbers, so Pierre, please forgive me, but uh, like I'm pretty sure that as, as if you've been buying weekly, there's like no point in time where you could have started and you're underwater right now. Yeah, it's um, it's a beautiful time to be alive. Should we just throw the ads in front or should we rip it? Yeah, just you can just throw them in front. We're 36 okay. minutes in right now. 
you know what? I'm going to read one to give them a mid-roll because they're a new sponsor. Uh, we'll throw the others in the front because uh, I just want to give this new sponsor. You have people come support you. You want to scratch their back. And this week, we're scratching the back of BitcoinBlackFriday.com. Our good friends at BTC Media are bringing back Bitcoin Black Friday. Uh, I want to tell you guys about this. Bitcoin Black Friday is a project from the team behind Bitcoin Magazine and the Bitcoin 2021 conference in L.A., Uh, Bitcoin Black Friday is a celebration of the growing Bitcoin economy. They're really trying to contribute to the closed loop economy of Bitcoin, get people spending Bitcoin, buying uh, things with Bitcoin and supporting people in the Bitcoin industry. So on the site, again, BitcoinBlackFriday.com, you can find active deals for up to 50% off your favorite Bitcoin gear and other merchants that accept Bitcoin. However, it doesn't stop with spending Bitcoins. Bitcoin Black Friday also lists over 65 charities they can support with Bitcoin and a stacking stats page uh, with great ways to earn Bitcoin. So they're going to educate you about how you can help charities out with Bitcoin if you want to do that for tax purposes or just out of the kindness of your heart. And they're going to actually have a page that teaches you how to stack sats in many different ways. Uh, If you're a Bitcoin accepting merchant, go to BitcoinBlackFriday.com to add your products to the list. We just added ours today. We're going to have a 25% uh, deal on the whole merch store from Friday to Sunday of uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So we're not just doing Black Friday. We're going to do Black Friday, Saturday, Sunday here at TFTC. If you want 25% off merch, we're going to be doing that then. Uh, And if you want to take advantage of discounts and sat stacking opportunities, sign up for free email updates at BitcoinBlackFriday.com. And the much-awaited Bitcoin back reward card from Fold is almost here. And the Fold team is teaming up with Bitcoin Black Friday to bring you a special promo for the much-awaited Satback card. If you sign up for early access to the Fold card on Bitcoin Black Friday, you're going to be entered into a raffle to win one whole Bitcoin, 100 million sats. All right, you're gonna if you get into this early access for the Fold card uh, at BitcoinBlackFriday.com, you're going to be entered into a raffle in which you can win 100 million sats, uh, and you'll eventually get the rewards card, which is pretty dope too. Uh, while you're at it, check out the other great deals from awesome merchants like Cold Card, our good friends at Cold Card, Unchained Capital, Bitcoin Magazine, MyNode, Kobo Vault, Ledger, Bovada, and many more. So shout out to the Bitcoin Magazine team, the BTC Media team uh, for, for reviving Bitcoin Black Friday. Go check it out if you want to support Individuals in the space, merchants in the space is a great way to do it and do it while saving some money. It's a great initiative. <sighs> Bitcoin circular economy. Here we come. Yes. I think what people don't realize is in like in 2013, 2014, all the talk was like merchant adoption, merchant adoption, merchant adoption. And it was a false start because the merchant adoption was convert to fiat immediately. It wasn't really paying with bitcoin it was the merchant was just receiving fiat it was just like market selling your bitcoin for goods you know but nowadays we're going to have a real drive because it's going to be the merchants want bitcoin the merchants want to stack sats right when we receive bitcoin for our merch we hodl it we've never you know we we've never actually moved any of the funds any yeah, of the bitcoin you've ever come through the merch store if you ever donated to us bought a shout out bought merch you can go check the transaction that you used to do that it has not moved just straight hodled it and i think that is the real movement right the movement is that 
is that there's going to be merchants around the world that realize they want KYC free Bitcoin um, and they want to stack sats and they're going to they're going to accept Bitcoin for that reason. And eventually we're going to start seeing, you know, discounts for that purpose. You know, if you pay us in fiat, you're going to have to pay us, you know, a higher price than if you pay us in Bitcoin because we want that Bitcoin so badly. And that's sustainable. That's what we actually see. And that's a complete difference from from the merchant bullshit that we heard in 2013, 2014. Yeah, and here's some business advice just from TFTC. If you're a cash flow positive business, you have a fiat bank account with cash in it, and you set up these, you, know, you sell merch particularly or potentially other services um, where you're obviously selling the merch at a profit, it's actually a great way to accumulate Bitcoin at a discount. Where if you have enough cash in the bank account, somebody buys merch from us, we pay a certain amount uh, to to get that merch delivered and we have some profit on top. And so basically we're able to buy $30 worth of Bitcoin for, for like 25 bucks, which is like an interesting way to, to buy Bitcoin at a discount. So if you're thinking from a business perspective, how to do that stuff, it's uh, actually pretty cool when you think about it. And yeah, if you've ever bought anything on tftc.io slash merch or slash contribute, you can go check. We've never moved anything. However, we will be consolidating UTXOs, moving stuff at some point in the future, but maybe we can figure out a way to make that transparent as well. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, like probably should have done some better UTXO management there, huh, Marty? Yeah, but again, Marty's Marty's lazy and busy. Not not lazy, busy. That's busy. what I'm saying. You know, like, fucking our boy Mandrick posted on Twitter. He was like, um, did you take the time during the low-fee environment to get ready? And I responded in all caps, I thought I did, but I didn't. And like, I think that pretty much sums up most people in this space. Like I've, I've been, I've, I, I think I've been very low time preference and thinking ahead of time in terms of my preparation. And I was not prepared. If, if, if fees don't come back down, I was not ready. You know, I, I was close, but there's, there's shortcomings. I think we'll, We'll see one sat per fees again at some point in the next so the next month, and that'll be a point at which to take advantage of that freeze. But possibly briefly, it could yes. be very briefly. Um, Learn your lesson, make it happen, guys. Yes. Uh, let's get to the list. We haven't gotten to the list yet. Our good friends at Crypto Cloaks they dropped their Triton case for uh, Spectre. It's for Spectre, correct? No, 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 no. This is for Nodes. Oh, oh, so yes. we, oh, I saw it. This is the double node. Yeah, I was thinking of this is their the dope new case that's like three weeks old. And I, we should have brought this up three weeks ago. It kept forgetting. It just kept missing the list, you know, but it, it deserves to be up here front and center. It's fucking gorgeous. Probably the nicest fucking node case I've ever seen, you know, but like it, it might have it might have displaced the Bucati of nodes, the, the Noddle Dojo red case, which I fucking love. I thought you were going to say the Dan Held node. Oh, you know. Um, and, and this one is, like, very affordable. It's $65. Um, and it's pretty cool. You have different faceplates. It has a transparent thing on the side. And you can run two nodes in it. You can run two Raspies inside of it. Two distinct nodes. Like, I didn't even... I, I said on Twitter, I was like, I didn't even know this was something I wanted. But now I feel like I needed it. You know, I just... It's just fucking awesome. So, shout out to the to our boys at crypto cloaks this is pretty cool cryptocloaks.com this is not a sponsored ad or whatever 
but like they sh- that gets fucking dope as fuck. Yeah, shout out to Crypto Cloaks. They're putting out dope stuff. Uh, go support. I'm sure they'll be on Bitcoin Black Friday too. Go support them. Um, I'm gonna get a trading case. I'm gonna go buy one. Really cool. I mean, need to, I need to get I need to get a Spectre node. That's on my list to make. No, so the cool thing about Spectre, I'm a Spectre maximalist now. Um, if the freaks haven't noticed is that I feel like these single board computer nodes, you know, like what you would put in a, uh, what you would put in this Trident case is almost more important for CoinJoin and Lightning because you need it always on, right? Um, as far as my cold storage situation, uh, whether you go multi-sig or single-sig with like a cold card, um, Spectre makes it super easy to just run Bitcoin Core on your computer. You run Spectre on your computer and you're good to go. You don't need a single board computer because you can even run it pruned. You just need 10 gigs on your fucking computer on whatever computer you want. And, and the keys are stored on the fucking cold card. Or if you do multi-sig on, on you know, it's split between multiple external devices. But you don't have to trust your, you, don't, you only have to trust your computer with the privacy. So, like, you don't even need a single board computer. We leapfrogged that. We, we were... Spectre now allows you to just fucking install it on whatever your existing computer is. And this is fucking beautiful. I am so excited about it. Boss. It's awesome. It's It's fucking beautiful. It's so Um, good. I wonder how hot that thing gets, especially if you're running a bunch of apps. What? On the Trident? Yeah. Well, it supports two fans. The Raspies, the hidden secret about the Raspies is you can run them super fucking hot and they don't fucking break. And if they break, it's $75. It's like, whatever. Who the fuck gives a shit? Hopefully you don't have your seeds backed up on it. Back up your seeds outside of... Yeah, the seeds are never on the device. They're not in the computer. What? Or sometimes they are, but they're not the only copy. At Lightning, it's kind of an issue. Yeah, exactly. Lightning is an issue. Uh, CoinJoin is not as much of an issue. Just limit the... Limit the amount of apps that you run, uh, Bitcoin focused. Mempool.space, honestly, love love the product, love the team. Shout out Wiz, running that in conjunction with some other apps on on a Raspi, gets gets CPU usage up pretty considerably. Well, they have the new eight gig Raspis you can buy. Look into it, Matthew. How was the first uh, monthly Nato call? You hopped off it right before this. That was recorded fun. three hours ago. It was an hour. We even hit a bingo. I, there was a Rodolfo mention. Was there, yeah. boss? Well, just hey, hit your boards now, freaks. We just hit it on TFTC too. <laughs> um, uh, it was for the announcement of Noddle Cloud and Noddle Dojo sales are Ooh. restarting. Um, Noddle Cloud is something I've been waiting for. DJ, put it in your mind. Yeah, we're gonna move TFTC to Noddle Cloud um, when it. <laughs> We were getting shilled to do that when Nato Cloud was just a dream, and now it's coming out. Um, yeah, so the idea is basically monthly calls, monthly Nato calls open to the community. I really dig this idea. I want to see more Bitcoin companies do this. Um, I think it, it, it goes with the ethos really well. Um, and they invited me on, so of course I drank during it because, you know, that's what I was there oh, for. That's- that's why you're all. That's why I'm hyped. All geared up right now. Yeah. That's why you're all hyped. Explains yeah. a lot. Yeah, look, look how much I've had. This is a decent amount. Holy shit! This is a fresh bottle when the Noddle call started. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. Uh, we, 
Uh, just on that tangent, uh, because Rodolfo got brought up, the Block Lock Mini is now being sent out. Um, did you get your email about it? I did, and Rodolfo, I actually have to. Uh, we need to. We need to talk outside of, uh, of this medium. I have a, <laughs> okay. I made a mis- I made a mistake. Okay, he made a mistake. But um, if you pre-ordered a Block Lock Mini, you get to finalize your shipping today. If you didn't pre-order one, you can still get into batch two if you go to blocklockmini.com, I believe, is the domain, because he just loves buying uh, vanity domains. Um, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited I'm, for my block lock. I'm so pumped. I've been, like, daydreaming about it. Like, so I have... I don't know how much I want to dox my personal situation right now, but I am uh, living... An in-laws vacation house saving money on rent, but I have uh, dreams of getting a studio and having like the block clock on the wall right behind me. Exactly. At some point, that's the dream. And like, there's a bed but, behind him. Right. Now. Yes. Before that, before that dream uh, is brought to fruition, I I can't wait to just set up my block clock in the dining room and just like look at it. Like, oh, what's the price? What's the block? It's such a sweet little device. I mean, the original. Block clock. It's like four thousand uh, dollars, which is a sweet yeah. device. But yeah, but the I mean the attention, the detail that went into that. We 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 are very blessed to have Rodolfo Novak building hardware in the Bitcoin space, whether it be a hardware wallet. I guess you an open dimes a hardware wallet too, just a different type. Oh yeah, uh, so you got to add block clock. You got to add hardware on. You could get to add things into your shipment for your block clock. And I bought, I bought like twelve more open dimes. I got a cold. Pla- oh, so so there's a conspiracy that they're a hidden sponsor, secret sponsor of us. I paid Rodolfo four hundred fifty dollars today. Uh, so yeah, that's actually is a reverse sponsorship. I actually paid the invoice twice by accident. That's a open go. here like reverse yeah, fucking sponsorship. <laughs> Um, we do have, we still have a free block clock mini that we're supposed to fucking like, I don't think we've ever made the freaks aware of this. No, we, we have a couple times. Bit block boom. Yeah. We have to, what how are we, we going to do? How are we going to, how are we going to get them? Like, how do we raffle this off? I don't even know. Hmm. Because I don't want to do it in like no. an engagement way, you know, to make somebody pay for a shout out so you get a block cock mini for fifty dollars instead of three hundred. But what do they you have to answer you have to answer a specific question? Before anyone else? Yeah. And they have to pay for a shout out? Yeah. That's a little is bit that, garbage. Is that scummy? What is if we take we, we could take the shout out and we could we could donate the funds from the shout out to HRF. So do we don't keep the fifty. And then we give them a question, and they have to answer the question before anyone else. But but there's going to be overflow of people answering late, and yeah. we keep their funds, or do we donate those to HRF as well? Oh, that's a good question. We donate all the funds we receive to HRF to take away any improprietary. Im, 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 improprietary. I don't know if that's the right word, to take away any... Um... Scumminess. Let's just say scumminess. scumminess. Yeah, we don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. You know, we could easily do like retweet, follow, like, tag three friends. Yeah. I don't do that shit. That's buying engagement. I'm not cool with it. But while we're on the point of engagement, if you guys like this podcast and you find it valuable, <laughs> go to your local podcasting station and give us a rate, a review. It goes a long way, especially if you're going to this bull market. Again, 
We want to make sure people are getting quality content, good information. We love you freaks. All the help goes a long way on these platforms. We, uh, we are not as shameless as some other people out there too. We're above paying you for it, but we're not above asking for it. Yes. Agreed. There's a, there's a difference. I kind of like that idea that they have to do a shout out. And if they're, if they're late, if they're late, then we, we donate it regardless. We donate all yes. every, we donate everything to HRF, the winner and the late people. So then the question See, is, is a, what is the question? Are we going to do, what should we do it next episode or should we? Yes. I think, I think, I think we should get some feedback. Okay. From freaks. the freaks. Yeah. In the after comments. This conversation. In the comments. Yes. Let us know. Except that guy, Marty, except the owl, except Marty's owl. We don't want to know from you. No, I like, he's right here behind me. (laughs) We can ask him right now. Did you see someone ask like, what's your favorite podcast? It was like, Marty's going to kill me if I answer anything else. (laughs) I did not see that. And I will kill you. (laughs) Peter. (laughs) Remember who feeds you. (laughs) Uh, I like that idea. And Rodolfo can give us feedback too. It is. It is crazy how how many parody accounts we have of this show. I'm you freaks are crazy. It's uh, it was actually a leading indicator to the Bitcoin bull run. I actually called that out too. I had uh, uh, shout out to uh, to to Al's lacrosse. I had uh, I'm I'm playing in my men's league uh, tennis tournament uh, tennis league again this year as I've Still, done every year. And it's I, outdoor platform tennis platform correct. tennis yeah i thought that was too above the freaks to understand what that was um and i wore my um i, I wore my blue steel joe dirt uh hat custom hat that al's across <laughs> wore and i had like three people asking me what it was and i was like blue steel joe dirt and they're like ah i could see it i could see it i get it i get it i have to give official shout out to al here now uh as well al gifted my wife and I, a an owl uh, noisemaker for our son, and it is a lifesaver. It It's on all the time. It helps conk my son out at night when he's ready for bed. So Owl's Lacrosse, A-L, apostrophe S, gifted uh, my wife and I an owl noisemaker for our child. Yeah. It's a very it's a very family-oriented here at TFTC. He actually gifted but it feel- through me. I was the trusted third party. This is true. This is pre-Rona this is times. Yes. I actually had dinner um, with him. Well, we're blowing too much smoke up our own asses right now. Let's get to the topics. The people didn't come here to hear us blow smoke up our ass, Matthew. They came for the hard-hitting news topics. And this is one. We're drifting into news that makes us angry. I don't know if the rest, the rest of the topics certainly aren't all news that makes us angry. But this topic particularly makes us very angry. And it's just travel rule fuckery intensifying. Uh, FinCEN, FinCEL, excuse me. Uh, the, f- the people at FinCell announced earlier this week that they're going to lower the threshold uh, at which information between uh, service providers needs to be shared from $3,000 to $250. So if you go to the grocery store and you buy groceries for two weeks, not that this would incite this, like we're just trying to quantify how menial of a task could or what small tasks could incite this exchange of data between uh, financial service providers from $3,000 to $250. It's absurd. These people, it feels like now they're just fucking with you. 
Like, hey, you're never going to have financial privacy ever again. But this is what I'm fucking talking Well, first of all, the important thing here is they announced this right after RHR last week, which had to be, if, if, you know, the, the U.S. government financial agencies are deciding when they're announcing things based off of when RHR gets released. They're like, oh, they got to wait a week. So much things go on. They're not going to talk about it next to RHR. It's bull market. You know, everyone's super bullish and they're not going to talk about it. Here we are. We're talking about it, okay? It doesn't matter when you release. Um, the second thing is, people say we got to reason with these motherfuckers. They're just going to turn the knife on us over and over again. It's it's two fifty. Who say now. we need to reason with them? People, people, the people are the people are telling us. Didn't John Carvello tell us last last week that we're supposed to like? It's like a reasonable like businesses have no choice. Like we just got to fucking take it and just like understand like it's it's business. I don't know if that's exactly what John said, but. I don't think we should take it. Well, people have told us that we're supposed to reason with them. And like, it's, it's re- like, there is no reasoning. No matter what, they're just going to, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And I'm sorry. It fucking sucks. I don't want it to happen. You know, I'm not, I, this, this is not, this is not me fudding. This is the reality. They don't fucking give a shit. Okay. They're going to take as much as they can fucking take. And and my question is is like how far does it go? Do do we see a de facto ban on self custody? Do we see them go after people? What about the what about all these people that are using custodial notes? Like what like what about the people? Like I I actually you know I had some freaks reach out to me and I'm they're completely correct. Like I I went a little bit easy on 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 Ledger last time being a part of the working group. Um, because there's a lot of a lot of people there that I think are working for us, um, and they are non-custodial, so they have a carve out. But what happens when they don't have a carve out? What happens when they have to report every single UTXO that's going through their notes? What happens when Trezor has to report every single UTXO that's going through their notes? What happens when Blockstream has to report every single UTXO that goes through their notes? They're boiling us in water, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And we have to be ready to fucking push back. Like, I, there, there's no easy way to say it. That's the reality. Yeah, it's like what Yuri Bezmenov warned America about turning it slowly into a socialist country, but applied to Bitcoin. Like, they're normalizing this stuff. Oh, get used to it. Hey, you know what? We're going to lower the threshold to 250. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay. You have to comply. This is something we just have to give into. Like, this is as far as we're going to go. Uh, and then they're going to get into demoralization. Like, all right, now you can't even fucking send your UTXOs to your wallet. Now, actually, if you have a ledger or a treasure or you use a uh, Blockstream green wallet, uh, you know what? They're actually going to be sending us your data too. You know, if you're okay with lowering the threshold from 3000 to 250 what is taking it from 250 to us collecting all the addresses that you're sending your UTXOs in personal custody to? Or be like, reasonable. Just slow, we'll just go down to 50 yeah, it's like a slow, erosive uh, order of events. It's like, hey, let us do this. Let us do that. You know what? Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then one day you wake up and you got the fucking long dick of the law on your ass and you can't even fucking self-custody your UTXOs without reporting it to the proper authorities. It's fucked. Ask your father what he would say if every single transaction over $250 cash had to be reported to the fucking Politburo. Like, ask, ask him how, how he would feel about that. 
Okay? Their generation was not cool with this shit. Our generation should not be cool with this shit. It is fucked up. It doesn't actually stop criminals. It just it, it just fucks it just fucks the average law abiding citizen is what it's that's doing. The, that's like the most fucked up thing about this whole thing. It's these same people implementing these egregious over overbearing regulations and laws and compliance on individuals they are the ones at the end of the day who get greased to let the actual criminals conduct their criminal activity like it, they're not trying to stop criminals the criminals are getting away with literal murder and pedo shit and drug murders and shit like that like they don't care it's uh it's infuriating with that being said the threshold has technically not been lowered from 3000 to 250 <laughs> Uh, there is a commenting period. You can submit a comment. I have already. Uh, and I think Niraj uh, from Coin Center made a very good point. If you are going to submit a comment, try to be respectful with it. Like, be res- like, don't like be like, fuck you. What are you fucking doing? Like, be respectful in your comment. By Ripple. And, and mature. <laughs> And and let them know, like, hey, this is an encroachment on personal liberty and privacy in the United States, which should be uh, givens. Like, you are literally encroaching on people's financial privacy. This should be something that is not possible. If anything, they should be raising the limits. It goes back to the Bank Secrecy Act that was signed in 1970, and the threshold then was $10,000. and if you adjust for inflation, even if the threshold was at $10,000, like back then in $1970, I'm pretty sure like in today's dollars, that'd be like 70 grand. And like now they want to lower it to $250 in today's dollars, which is fucking insane. Like it used to be 500 million sats and now it's <laughs> less than 80. Yes. Like, so we're going to link to all this. Coin Center made a comment. Um, they made a comment. You should donate to Coin Center. Fucking Bitcoin businesses, you have an option. Fucking push back. I don't want to hear this cuck mentality bullshit. I want. I want you to push back. Look, if you if you fail at pushing back, I understand. Comply. You have no fucking choice. Whatever. Okay. But I've watched. Fight up. I've watched you guys fucking fight for the the right to fucking dump unregistered securities on retail. For the last three, four fucking years, let's see some fucking fight for user privacy. And and for any patriot out there, if you think like you're an actual American, you're making us vulnerable to the enemies. Like you're like you by by putting this, you're you're putting this huge fucking centralized data ball of all of our financial transactions, and we can't protect them. Like we suck at that shit, and 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 our enemies are gonna be able to see every transaction we've ever made. So so if you're if you're if you truly if you're truly a patriot, like you should you should be completely against this solely from making our country strong, like making our citizens as as the least vulnerable as possible, because that's what this does. This 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 kind of these kind of rules makes us super vulnerable. And what fucking country are we in anymore? Like, does personal liberty and privacy even exist anymore? Like, is it even a priority? Like, is this... Do we actually live in a free country anymore? Like, what the fuck is this bullshit, dude? 
This is what I, you know, I kind of said this, Marty, and you said it was a cuck mentality. What? No, the cuck mentality came up where, where did the cuck mentality come up? It was something to do with China. Yeah. It was pushing back. Well, it was that this country is, we're self-sabotaging ourselves. We just keep shooting ourselves in the foot. And I feel like, I, I feel, I feel powerless aside from Bitcoin and encryption. Like I feel, I feel like, you know, I, I, I want the freaks to post comments, but I just want you to also realize like your comments don't matter. Like they don't give a shit about you. Like they don't care. They don't care about your anonymous comments. They're just going to fucking fuck us anyway. And and you gave me, that. you gave me a cuck mentality on that just because I'm super Nuh-uh. frustrated. Not on that. I didn't throw a cuck mentality. American Hollow is hysterically laughing right now. He's like, he's like, Matt still <laughs> hasn't fucking let it go. He still hasn't let it go. Yo, I'm Obviously. just, I don't hold it against Marty. <laughs> I hold it against our own government who's actively working against us. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, I don't care. You can do all the corrupt shit you want to do in government. Don't fuck with my livelihood. Like, my people, leave my people alone. <laughs> like, let, let's, Let's fucking work. Let's be productive, you know? That's all. I agree. No, I agree. Like, what the fuck are we doing in America? Like, and that's... I think this is what came up because I said, (laughs) referencing Whitney Webb's article in April, my timing's right. Like, that's about what it was. Like, she wrote back then, which is now being confirmed, Eric Schmidt, came out this week and said, we need to beat China in the AI race. And by saying that, you basically mean we need to beat China in the uh, surveillance state race. Subjugation race. Yes. And so you have the founder of Google, one of the most powerful individuals, one of the most wealthy individuals in the world, pushing for that. And he's very buddy-buddy with very high-up government officials. He is partnering with New York City and New York State to bring surveillance technology to your schooling system. And he wants to beat China's surveillance state to a superior surveillance state. Like these technocrats are racing to make this happen. And we need to fight back. So you, we need to go in the opposite direction, especially if you want to pretend like America is a bastion for freedom and liberty. I agree. Anymore. I agree right now. I agree. I would concede that 100%. But I would note that many individuals within America, including yourself and myself, I would argue, do believe in the principles that this country was founded on. And we need, we can't depend on these technocrats and these politicians to defend these freedoms and these liberties for us. Like, we need to take it. And you do that with Bitcoin, with encryption technology. Like, they are not going to give it to us. We need to start taking it. It's get global. your UTXOs. Get your U- yes, but particularly here in America. No, it's global. It is global, but like I'm, I'm thinking, like I think America still, from a mentality perspective, I think we have the least cuck mentality. Whoa, uh, I disagree. Populace. Really? I disagree. Whatever. Let me finish my point. You got to take it. They're not going to give it to us. Get your UTXOs into personal storage. Start using Keybase. Start speaking up and telling these motherfuckers to fuck off. It's time. 
Like they're taking it from us. They're trying to actively, and they're again, they're lulling us into a false sense of security. And hey, we're gonna go from three thousand to two fifty. Don't worry, don't worry. Like that slow lulling and lulling. It's like when you fucking wave your hand over the eyes of a crab, and that's how you put it to sleep. They're basically the intelligence apparatus, the technocrat apparatus, the political apparatus. They're like waving their hands above the populace, putting us to sleep. Like hey, don't worry, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Uh, we're gonna protect you. It's, no. You need to wake the fuck up and take back your your liberty and freedom in the digital age. It's going to be a fight. Are you willing to fight? That's the question. I mean, actually, I'm torn on my previous comment. Look, I have a lot of... I think, you know... I love America. I love Americans. Um, I think we have a lot of brothers and sisters around the globe. uh, And I think this is a global fight for for individual rights. and I think it's important that we hold that dear, that we realize, you know, this is happening on multiple fronts around the world simultaneously. And and in a lot of in a lot of cases, these governments are working together um, to to basically cr- create as, as much of a unified front as possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I. I'm just. You know, I, I, I think I think what people fail to realize is basically in early 2017, I came to the conclusion that I could walk away and not be a public figure and not talk about this shit and probably cover my family's ass, just myself and my family's ass. I could have kids. We could probably be pretty prosperous, you know, get some land in some bumblefuck area of, of America. Um and be fine, uh, be mostly fine. Uh, there, there'd be some transgressions, but we'd be mostly fine. I couldn't stand with that. And I wanted to be outspoken because I think that having outspoken voices and uniting across borders is, is how we have real change, right? And, and, and that's why I'm here right now. So, and now that's done. Now I'm very public and Marty's very public. And we are here. We are public. Like if, when this fight happens, we are going to be like fucking the front lines, like for our own doing, you know, it's whatever. Um, so I just want people to care, you know, like that's why, that's why I'm here is because people should care and people need to realize. I agree. I co-sign that. That's why I'm here. That's why I started all this stuff. And I think talking about it gets a little contagious too. You give somebody else a little confidence. Hey, these guys are talking about it. Maybe I, I've had that lingering thought in the back of my head, but never vocalized it because I was uh, a little nervous. Like, oh, maybe they think I'm a freak. Maybe they think I'm a weirdo. Don't be nervous. Don't be afraid to vocalize it. I think you'll be surprised at how many other people have those lingering thoughts in the back of the head. It's not natural to be subjugated in the way that the state is attempting to subjugate us. In our modern times, like I would argue that most people have these lingering thoughts in the back of their head. They just don't think to to act on them. They're too shy for some reason. Her mentality, her mentality exists. It's real. And it 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 forces people to self-censor. Are we going to get too depressing? Can we go to like more positive? I mean, I'm super bullish. (laughs) (laughs) 
right, everybody, market sell right now. You heard it here uh, first. Super bullish, man. <laughs> and look, the world is fucked, but at least Bitcoin's pumping, guys. Right? We got that going for us. Yeah, but is the world really worth it? If yeah. all right, Bitcoins are. Look, we knew Bitcoin was a lifeboat. You don't need a fucking lifeboat unless the ship is sinking. So I like it is what it is. It's you know, Bitcoin has no value if everything's fucking hunky dory. It's true. It's true. Um speaking of hunky dory, this is something that made me very excited because it's something I wrote about geez at this point. Um June of last year, it's October, that's fourteen months. Sixteen months. Can't do math. 16 months ago, uh, Ruben Thompson, uh, Bitcoin developer, one of the co-hosts of the Unhash podcast, he released a proposal for a second layer solution known as state chains. It would basically enable you to move UTXOs on a second layer, basically passing along private keys without touching the main chain. I thought that was an interesting proposal last June. And uh, other than people just talking about, hey, what if we do state chains uh, nothing really tangible has come to market since then until last week the team at Commerce Block announced the fact that they are building a, a product called Mercury Wallet, uh, which is now live on Bitcoin's testnet. And this is, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it is the first implementation of a state chain in software form uh, that may be coming to market soon. Uh, so this this was announced last week. Last Friday, I believe, actually. Uh, and so Mercury Wallet, if you guys want to test it out, if you want to experiment with uh, state chains, uh, it is live on Bitcoin's testnet. And it is really cool. Privacy uh, and uh, the quickness of settlement and ease of uh, basically privacy and uh, quickness of transactions are so the priority there, one of the trade-offs are that you need, uh, I think, I think you need equal uh, inputs to, you need an equal amount of Bitcoins that you're willing to trade with their counterpart. So that may be one of the, <clears throat> one of the, um, I don't want to say limiting factors, but one of the uh, variables to take into consideration. But everything runs through Tor. Uh, it'll help with scalability and privacy, particularly. Matt, what are your thoughts? Um, so first of all. Uh, we're going to have Tom. Tom, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. I was I was looking up his name. Tom. Tom is going to be on uh, the founder of C- Commerce, of Block. Commerce Block. Yeah, yeah. Is is going to be on on Tuesday? We're going to have him on. I don't know when we're going to release the episode, but we're going to record with him on Tuesday. Um, state change in general, like the 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 concept. My my understanding of the concept is. Um, let's say that Marty is the state chain, uh, maintainer. Um, I make a multi-sig with Marty, um, and then Bob makes a multi-sig with Marty, and then we both swap our tokens with each other, and then we settle. Um, so, so the idea is, is that you have these, these two, two of two multi-sigs, um, where Marty can't steal directly from you. But if he conspires with Bob, uh, then he can steal from you. Um, so it's an interesting trust model, but it, it creates the situation where we can do these swaps off chain and then settle back on chain. 
uh, while while being non-custodial-ish. And it, it, like, it kind of comes back to, and, and I'm like kind of hyped on this. I think it's a very cool concept. And I, I don't want to state two things is, is Mercury is both a state chain implementation and then they have Mercury wallet, which is the wallet that implement that, that interacts with that implementation. So it's, it's two things there. Um, but, but it's important to realize like we, we come back, it's like, it's, it's, and it's, coincidentally kind of what we talked about on RHR last week is that you have these situations where we're talking about basically like legal custody because of the situations that regulators have put us in. But if, if you had a state chain entity that acted purely malicious um, and we had roast beef uh, in your comments uh, talking about this on Twitter um, that was purely malicious, like basically what that state chain actor would do would they would be Bob as well, right? So like imagine Marty is pretending he's just an honest state chain uh, actor and then he's also participating on both sides of the multisig and then you swap with him, he could steal your funds. Um, but But if he's an honest actor, he can't based on like a legal subpoena or something. And I think that's an important distinction because really... If there was no regulators around, where we would probably be is we would have custodians that had reputation systems. But because because custodians are the ones who get hit, we can't have that. So we have to build these like little silos uh, where where we separate that out. And and like the custodian can't get legally compelled to to provide anything. But if they were a malicious actor, there's we're still trusting the state chain actor. There's no recourse. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the person running the state chain, we're trusting them. Implicitly, we're trusting them. But yeah. if they're acting in good faith, they can't steal our funds. If they act in bad faith, they can steal our funds. But the thing that Rose Beef, and he did admit to it later when I called him out on it, is that a lot of the non-custodial, you know, air quotes, wallets and lightning operate on the same exact trust model. Where, where you're, you're implicitly trusting the, the provider of the wallet. Um, or the provider of your routing, your routing node that you're using um, to provide your channel, you're implicitly trusting them. But if they got a legal order, they couldn't steal your funds. Uh, and it's, it's a very, it's a very similar model in that respect. But it's, it's very interesting. I'm very excited about it. It has a low fee pressure, um, which is important in a future high fee environment, which we expect. And I look forward to natively running through Tor, natively running through Tor at least uh, Mercury Wallet's implementation. Again, it's something that excited me when Ruben first proposed it last June, and I'm just excited to see somebody ran with that idea and implemented it. And I don't know if it's going to be successful. I'm just excited to see um, it tested in the wild. And again, optionality is key with all these scaling solutions and let a thousand scaling solutions bloom and let's see what the best one is. And we just had another one bloom and we'll see how it does. I don't know. I'm not going to guarantee it's success or failure. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it does, and I'm excited to see how it does. So be aware. It does Obviously seem like make... it does seem like it requires more trust than if you ran a full Lightning node, or if you like it. Definitely, both Lightning and state chains require more trust than something like the CoinJoin implementations, where yeah. they like strictly cannot steal your funds. They can. They can. They can see your privacy, but they can't. They can take your privacy, but they can't take your funds. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll be paying attention to it. We'll uh, keep you freaks abreast as uh, 
that product comes to market and people start using it. This was interesting to see. JP Morgan shilling Bitcoin, calling it better than gold. Uh, I believe citing particularly that our generation, millennials, and then the generation behind us, Gen Z, are probably more likely to invest in a digital store of value and be more uh, comfortable with a na- uh, internet native currency than gold. Um, so just you have, uh, I, almost, I almost said J.P. Morgan. You had Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan <laughs> Chase, uh, only years ago saying that Bitcoin would be nothing and basically shitting on Bitcoin while his daughter's buying it. Um, and then his analyst at J.P. Morgan is actually probably a testament to uh, the fact that you don't have a dictatorship at that company, like you have to concede that your analysts are, are working on a particular problem and the analysts are saying, hey, Bitcoin's probably better than gold moving forward. Uh, on many assets, a better digital store of value. It's a better store of value overall. Um, so that, that's cool to see. Have you ever seen John Wick? I have. I actually... Uh, all of them? It's one of my... Fi- I've seen the first two. I've... It's it's one of there's those three, movies, right? whatever. Yeah, there's three. Um, it's held up. It's pretty good. It's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's one of those they movies where I'm like, dog. no, they should not have killed his dog. And it's one of my favorite. Uh, I don't say I tease my wife, but like <laughs> whenever she's like going through, through Netflix, like I'll get her every once in a while. I'll be like, let's just watch John Wick. She's, I, like, no. she's watched it, right? Yeah. Yeah. We watched so it I together. just had my lady she's, watch all three. Uh, I, I had watched the first two, but I hadn't watched the third and I was like, okay, so we'll watch the first two together. So I rewatched the first two and then we watched the third together. Um, why do I bring this up freaks? Is it relevant? That was the coolest use of gold that I've ever seen from a Gen Z point of view. I'm not Gen Z, but I imagine from a Gen Z point of view where he like, he sledgehammered his floor with the, he, and then and he opened it up and he had guns and like gold coins, right? Yes. That was the closest they ever got to Gen Z using gold. And they like they came close. They they almost made it, but they, they didn't quite fucking make it. Gen Z gives two shits about fucking gold as a store of value. Gold is a fucking shit coin, okay? Sorry, safe. I love you. Gold's a shit coin. Not going to happen. Never going to happen. It's over. Bitcoin is safe the future. Would, I don't think safe would defend gold. Oh, well, no. So, funny story. In Riga... Uh, first time I ever met Safe. Uh, no, second time I met Safe. I met him in uh, Dallas last year, and then I met him in Riga. And we're having, we're having drinks in like a really cool little Latvian bar. And I turned to him. I'm like four drinks deep, and I turned to him. I'm like, "Gold is a shit coin." And he just like walked away from me. But we're still friends. <laughs> I did it for the freaks. Yeah, I mean, gold is. Bastardized. Sixty one oh two fucked it up. Yeah. We gotta get we gotta get ripping here. I got bedtime soon. Okay, so sorry. not not me for my son. No, not Marty's gotta um, go to bed, guys. I'm slacking as well. Uh join market status update. This is actually interesting. I saw this earlier this week. They're trying to uh get away from IRC, right? And create a different messaging layer. Yeah, they should look is into that... what uh Samurai's doing. They got Soraban, which is uh purely Tor messaging letter layer, which is interoperable. It doesn't matter where you plug it in. Yeah. So that's, I believe Adam Gibson. I forget where it came up, but I remember reading it this week. Adam Gibson posted the update. Yeah. Did he? 
but like I I, th- I thought I saw wing. people talking about it on Twitter or somewhere. Um, but like so, coordinating join market all goes through IRC joins. right now, and it's not really scalable. Yeah. It's like kind of it was like hacked together and stayed that way. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, what we want, the reason Soroban is existing on Samurai is because the idea is to use it for two, two person, three person uh, coin joins. And that's what we want, right? We want, I want every wallet to, like, these coordinated coin joins are great and I want them as well. Um, but, you know, these like five person coin joins are, are in Wasabi, like, if they improve their implementation, like larger coin joins. Um, but what I really want is I want every wallet to support two of two coin joins and three of three coin joins. Right. And so like, you like hit up Marty, you hit up Bob and like your friends and you all coin join together. Right. And if every wallet supports it and it's interoperable, that's fucking massive. Right. So let's, let's make that happen. Yes. No, I agree with that. No, I'm happy to see that. Number one, they're, they're conscious of the, uh, the ceiling that, mm, coordinating the IRC creates and then trying to to solve that problem not that they haven't been focused on it for a while shout out to the the joint market team and everybody working on that and um well I like the idea of Gibson to... posting I, I want Adam to post more updates you know to his blog right yeah Adam if you're listening uh, I am subscribed to RSS I'm, I'm I'm receiving your updates so just keep posting them boss uh, graphene adds pixel 4a support this is beta correct massive they're calling it experimental everything's beta in graphene land this is huge let's go the, why is it huge the 4a is so much better you have the 3a it's fucking a piece of shit uh phone uh this phone is just it's just a nicer phone it's it's just it's just really nice hardware for what you pay you pay like 400 dollars for it it's fantastic hardware I'm right. holding it in my so hand while out. I speak these things. If you uh, freaks have a 4A out there and you want to experiment with graphene, you can now do that. I have the 3A, experimental. And, the, I have the 3A and the 4A in my hand right now. It's just a better phone. It's just a better phone. Yeah, 3A is like, like, I feel like I could, like, if I just, like, squeeze my hand hard enough, I could break that plastic. Yeah, you know, it was it's it was a good value for the price when it came out, you know, two years ago. Yeah. Next up, we got a Marathon Patent Group. They announced the purchase of 10,000 Antminer S19 Pros earlier this week. They're marketing like they're going to have one of the largest mining operations in North America at some point. Uh, They'll be adding 1.1 exahash to their existing operations. And to put that into perspective, that's a little less than one. It's probably like... It's probably like 28% of what Slushable has right now. Doing the math in my head. Um, So again, they just put in a big order, 10,000 S19s. Uh, Let's see if they can collect that order, number one. Uh, Number two, not have many defective machines in that order because Bitmain's uh, Bitmain's, uh, delivery of... Miners has come with a high failure rate in recent months. And number three, um, that they can actually attain that uh, hash rate level. Oh, this is big. I actually got DMs about, I got an email about this where I felt fucking terrible. And the freak hasn't messaged me back yet, but Ledger has had a crazy amount of 
phishing attempts recently. It's been via email, via text. I've seen it done via text. The text is so fucked uh, up. Right. Um, so I guess some data is leaked from Ledger. It's uh, the July the hack. hack. It's the July hack was way worse than they pretended it was. Yeah. So people are getting text emails, like legit phishing emails, where it's like, hey, go update your Ledger Live, click this link, download this repository from GitHub. Uh, and it's it's malware. And well, if it's, you it's down- always submit your seed, right? Yeah. I'm uh, like, no. I think it's always seed. It's always seed. Like, don't never put your seed in the computer. You should be right. good. I have an email from. It's always the, the seed. It's always asking you to put your seed in your computer. They haven't well, gotten that's... so far to get like. A com- there's no like. Uh, there could presumably in the future be like bad firmware that they get you to load but that has not happened yet it's 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 at some point whatever they make you download asks you to put in your 24 words do not put your 24 words into the computer ever i don't think it's that um here's one of the so here's the phishing email that got forwarded to me and somebody thought that they were like alerting me of like an actual ledger announcement we got to inform you Ledger has experienced a security breach affecting approximately 85,000 of our customers and the wallet associated with your email address is within those affected by the breach. Namely, on Saturday, October 24th, 2020, our forensics team has found several of the Ledger Live administrative servers to be infected with malware. At this moment, it's technically impossible to conclusively assess the severity of the scope of the data breach. Due to these circumstances, we must assume that your cryptocurrency assets are at risk of being stolen. If you're receiving this email, it's because you've been affected by the breach. In order to protect your assets, please download the latest version of Ledger Live and follow the instructions to set up a new PIN for your wallet. And then it leads you to a button that says download the latest version. I think they asked you for your seat. But regardless, freaks, first of all, go buy a cold card. Second of all, don't like, don't update your hardware wallet unless you hear about it on RHR. Seems like a pretty good... I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I, I we're going to we're gonna let you know. We'll let you know if there's any hardware updates or exploits that are going to happen. Nothing's yes. going to... Nothing's too important that it's going to happen within a week period, uh, as long as your so, shit's offline. Now I'm confused. I don't know if that was, like, a legit Ledger email. That wasn't. Ledger that support. wasn't. No. Okay. All right, good. No, never click links that are in your emails. In emails, no. Regardless of Bitcoin, just don't even do it for your work accounts or anything. Never put your seed in the computer. And if there's a real update, you should go to Ledger's actual blog and it should be there. Um, like type it into the computer yourself or just wait till RHR and we'll talk about it. And we'll let you know that you need to update. That's, that's what we're here for. That's why we do this week, week from week. Um, but this is fucked up. This is, this was cause Ledger's store got fucking compromised, um, in July and Ledger didn't realize how bad it got compromised. They contacted the people they thought got compromised, but it's way more people. I think it was everybody. I, it's bad. It's really bad. Like everyone's talking about it and it was a lot yeah. of personal information. Yeah. I mean, I had people very close to me getting texts. Yeah. I should I do this? And I was like, what the fuck no. And this no. is the danger of KYC, right? Is because now yeah. the attacker and anyone they've sold this information to and anyone who's gotten this information knows your email address. They know your phone number. We know that much. They, they know your full name. They might know where you live. 
they know you own Bitcoin. And that's fucked up. That's that's super fucking dangerous. All you have to do is add one more factor, which is that you're using Ledger's node so they know how much Bitcoin you own. And then all of a sudden it gets really fucking bad, you know? And uh, shake my head at Michael Saylor for saying how much fucking Bitcoin he owns. Um, <laughs> Fred, that's not Se- on the list. 17,000, Jarrell. Um, $230 million worth of Bitcoin personally that he owns, allegedly. He didn't, sign a me- he didn't sign a message, but allegedly. He didn't, but he could pay for security too. And he's not holding his keys. So technically he doesn't own any Bitcoin. That's a good point. Very good point. Do you, do you think he's self custody? It's all it's all on a ledger. I doubt that. No, it's all it's all on the custodian. He should at least look into putting some into self custody just in case. Like put like a nice twenty million dollar nest egg into self custody, Mike. Yeah, diversify, diversify. That's what we recommend. Here. There's going to be a time where we're going to go. Just we're just me and Marty. It's just the whole episode is going to be told you so, told you so, told you so, told you so, and it's going to be a, a custodian's just going to take everyone's Bitcoin or they're going to lose it or something. <laughs> it's just we're going to be told you soing you the whole episode. And we're not going to lie. We're probably going to get some pleasure out of it too. <laughs> no, we're going to we're going to stay humble, Marty. <laughs> um, talking about humble. Anthony Towns, uh, shout out to Anthony, AJ Towns. Uh, well, I don't think we're fucked. I just think we can be like, all right, AJ, like we're not waiting four years for a timeout period. This is what I was saying, right? right? It's like seppuku. Like we're just fucking, we're creating a controversy over a non-controversy. Like what the fuck? Yeah. So for you freaks who are unaware, AJ Towns uh he basically did a survey of developers getting their opinions on activation routes for bip taproot bip 340 341 342 uh got a bunch of feedback we're going to link to his blog post in the show notes and basically in the conclusion he gives some recommendations one of which being like if you don't get signaling um if you don't if it's after the first attempt at signaling, if it's not successful, you have a four-year timeout um, that allows for a new software every four months on average without having overlap. Yeah, and I think the developers in this case are just being way too conservative. Anthony, particularly, like a four-year timeout is untenable at this point. Like they have PTSD. Yeah. And I don't blame them either. And that's one thing you have to realize about the stakeholders within the Bitcoin network, the developers being one of those stakeholders who are actually working on the code that makes all this stuff work. Extremely important, arguably the most important to an extent. Um, they don't want culpability at the end of the day. They don't, they don't never want like the reason this very important network fucks up to be, uh, to be blamed, to be laid on them, which I, I can totally grok. But I think this is a situation where users have to have to be more vocal uh, and say, hey, we're, you know what? These things make a lot of sense. They're going to create more utility, more scalability, more robustness to the Bitcoin network. Uh, if you guys have been working on these for years or officially merged in the core and we just need to activate it, like, I think me personally... I'll speak for myself. I think I'm comfortable being vocal saying, all right, it's time. 
let's start signaling. Let's get this stuff in. Like I want to use the stuff and reap the benefits it's gonna be of the, these upgrades. It's gonna be the same thing as last time. We're gonna have some NIMs gonna package this for us, right? I hope so. Shalomfroy, come back. If you're listening, Shalomfroy. We don't even need him to come back. We just need someone else to pretend he's them. You know, whatever. Yeah. We're just gonna have we're gonna have a NIM that's just gonna package it and we're just gonna make this fucking thing happen because no one wants to put their name on it. And this is way less controversial than last time. And we just gotta make it happen. I'm not waiting four years. Uh, don't tell right. me to lower my time preference. Right. No, because because you think about it, like if the network does what it has done in the past in terms of increased adoption, like you just you just make it a harder decision down there. Like in four years, like arguably be much harder to to push this through. It's seppuku. It You're fucked. We're just shooting ourselves in the fucking knee. Yeah. Or foot. Knee's worse. Yeah, I'd rather be shot in the foot. Yeah. Um, go go read so that. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, largest bank in Singapore, BDS, I believe the name is, or DBS. Bitcoin BDS. Uh, derangement syndrome. Why did you give the archive link to this? Because oh, they deleted they the, it. They took it down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they took it down. I forgot about that. It's DBS. Uh, oh, DBS. They're launching... They're launching a digital exchange to allow you to buy Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Ripple, I think. No, don't don't mention those. They're launching a Bitcoin exchange, and they put a launch page up, and they removed the launch page right away. Um, they are the, the biggest longest, commercial bank yeah, in, in Singapore. Which is big. Singapore yeah. is the, the most powerful citadel in the world, and uh, it's good to see them launch this. Mm-hmm. And now we get to run through some software updates. Join Market version 0.7.2. If you're out there running Join Market, upgrade it. Join Box, uh, which our boy Open Noms is working on. If you've been using that, version 0.1.13 has been released. Upgrade to that. BTC Pay Server version 1.0.5.9 has been released. A bunch of bug fixes in that one. I know that from reading the release notes a few days ago. Uh Lightning Terminal version 0.2.0 Alpha has been released. This is a, a major release, and I think uh, there's actually going to be another push next week that will be even bigger. Um, this is a huge upgrade to uh, the L&D. Um, Lightning, La it's the terminal. So it's a huge upgrade to their terminal, how you interact with your node. It's Lightning um, Labs, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not L&D specifically. It's... No, it's L&D. It interacts with L&D. Yeah, it interacts with L&D. I mean, now you can um, use remote L&D. It used to be, you have to be packaged with Lightning Terminal. Now it can interact with remote L&D. So anyone who uses yes. L&D can use this now. It's just a really pretty interface to interact with your Lightning Node and Lightning Loop, which is their service for rebalancing your channels. Hell yeah. Um, accidentally just clicked out of our... Fully our noted desktop V0.1.96 is released it's fully reproducible and he signed it with his pgp key after i called him out i love you bro i'm glad this is out um this is also his first donation where you can get it through mac app store um for free or you can download the fully signed version um and pay him a bitcoin donation to use it uh he's trying out this new revenue model and it's a bitcoin donation you're good forever after you you give him the donation 
to be clear, it's not a one Bitcoin donation. It's a donation denominated. I don't know how much it is because I don't have a Mac anymore. Um, I went through my like eight month phase of my whole 30 years of life uh, with a Mac, but I do not have one now. Um, What's interesting here is in his uh, description, he said that he is looking into CoinJoin as a future implementation addition. Um, and I think behind the scenes, he said he's going to add Whirlpool, which I'm pretty excited about. It could be the first, he could beat Hexa. He could beat Hexa to the first iPhone implementation of Whirlpool, which I think would be pretty, pretty awesome. This is coming from a Hexa advisor. Yeah, Tell. it's true. I have, I have a very small amount of equity. With <laughs> Our good friends at Atomic Finance, Matthew Black and Tony Sai. Uh, they launched a DLC-based Bitcoin betting tool earlier this week. You can be the uh, creator of a bet if you want to. Uh, we, I had Matthew Black on a few weeks ago. We talked about this. It's finally launched. There's a lot of people making election bets right now. Jimmy Song, Pierre Rochard, Jason Williams, and our boy CK uh, from Bitcoin Magazine are currently up there making uh bets on the election if you guys want to do that uh, i think you can make bets outside the election as well no it's uh, just it election is, this is just the election I misspoke there as part of if their beta bet, if you want to use a dlc to bet on the election if you have a counterpart that's willing to uh, meet you on uh, the atomic.finance website to to bet with bitcoin in a non-custodial fashion um Atomic.finance is there. We're going to link to the in the show notes. BlockFi, this was interesting. Um, they disclosed the 5% position that they took in GBTC. Zach, my boy Zach Prince, announced it earlier this week. Um, this was interesting to me. It came out of nowhere. Like I, I never would have thought that BlockFi uh, would buy into a significant... Would you see me uh, going back and forth with the freak on Twitter on it? Yeah, about arbing. I mean, I think it was going it's on? an arbitrage play, right? Like yeah. they were they were taking advantage of the premium, right? Because they were they were probably bought their shares with Bitcoin. They were deemed Bitcoin for their shares, so they came in at regular price, and the premium is what's the premium? It's on Clark's index. It's currently at no, it's not on there anymore. Oh, I'm out to check. It. So let me check GBTC. GBTC is at fifteen twenty six. What is that? Fifteen twenty six. We're at thirteen five hundred right now. That's. Does that mean fifteen thousand? Uh, yeah. Um, that's a little bit less. It means a little bit less, right? Because they keep taking their management fee out of it. But let's say it's yeah, fifteen thousand so instead of fifteen thousand two hundred. Um, thirteen five fifteen hundred. That's a nice fifteen hundred dollar arb right there. Yeah. So so I think the play was an ARP. Um I mean I, I no, no the USD it's actually higher. The USD value GBTC right now is sixteen thousand five dollars. I'm on trade block right now. Um, the equivalent is sixteen five? Yeah, it says it's twenty five hundred dollar. Okay, what whatever, right? There's there's an ARB there. There's a there's a gap there between what Bitcoin actually costs versus what it costs on GBTC. Uh, BlockFi is in a situation where they're completely regulated and a regulated financial entity that has a large amount of Bitcoin and they can move it into GBTC and redeem it, right? 
So they're, they they must be playing that arbitrage opportunity, right? They must be trying to make $1,500 a Bitcoin, whatever, $2,000 a Bitcoin, $3,000, whatever the fucking arbitrage is. It's a, it's a sizable opportunity. And at 5%, they have to fucking tell people that they did it. So they've been yeah. doing it. I don't think this changes anything, really. To me, I did... I, I I would never own GBTC. I would never have a BlockFi account and get my six percent interest while giving them custodial and KYC risk. Like I would just never do it. To some people, they might want to do it. To those people, I don't think this adds that much risk to them in either kind of situation. I don't think it adds risk to GBTC people. I don't think it adds risk to BlockFi people. The risk was already there. No risk has been added. They might as well be the same company, as far as I'm concerned. I'll take a contrarian to you view here i think it's a good risk management strategy for who uh for blockfi why um, because they're they're taking advantage of a of a premium so here's really what dictates whether or not it's a good risk management system or good risk management play by blockfi is how liquid the secondary market for those gbtc shares are uh, so if you freaks are unaware gbtc uh, uh, if you buy it directly, is is pretty illiquid. You have a twelve month lockup. But I'm pretty sure there are secondary markets we can share. Excuse me, you can trade the shares that you own. You don't have to wait on the twelve month lockup to to liquidate. And if you're able to take advantage of that secondary GBTC market to play that premium in the meantime, like you got to take advantage of that as a fiduciary. I would I would argue. No, I mean, look, there's definitely money to be made. I'm just saying as a user, I don't think it really changes anything. I, I the the risk, the risk for BlockFi. The platform, so the platform would be safer in that case okay, if they're executing a good risk management system. The, the, the risk for BlockFi is that if there is an ETF, there's an argument to be made that GBTC goes the opposite way. Instead of having a premium, they go to a discount. Uh, because a proper ETF will have, you know, proper redemption instead of a GBTC where you can't redeem. So, so theoretically, once if there's ever an ETF, I, like there probably will never. I don't know. There's not going to be an ETF anytime soon. So I completely, I guess, I respect the decision. But but if there was an ETF, like GBTC will probably trade below Bitcoin's actual price instead of above Bitcoin's price. Yes, and the reason would be that that lockup. And it would happen instantly. It would be like one day, it would just like fucking drop 30% or whatever. Yeah. And that secondary market where you could trade those locked up would dry shares. The fuck up. You, yeah. Nobody would, nobody would engage in that. Um, Matthew, I just got like a call your grandmother text. It just popped up on my laptop. Like I'm like now, and I feel compelled to tell you freaks to call your grandmothers, call your grandfathers. They're still alive. Um, I just got to call your grandmother text. Make me feel like an asshole. We got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up, freaks. Call your grandmothers. Um, NSA is still putting in secure backdoors into our favorite products. Juniper. What is Juniper? It's a VPN provider. Uh, And the NSA supposedly supposedly told my favorite, Senator Wyden, uh, that uh, they wrote a, a... a report about what they learned from it, but they lost it. And so they <laughs> yeah. put it, they put a back door in 2015. We already knew about this. They put a back door in Juniper VPN. It got compromised by someone. They won't say who probably the Chinese government. Bang, bang. Back doors are unsafe. If you, if you have a back door, we can't secure it. 
you, you there's no encryption there there's just you just it's 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 a ban on encryption and then and and the argument is right now is when we see these encryption bans happening like fuck you like you're just making us vulnerable you're just you're just screwing us over yes um it's a pretty cool river added hardware wallet account support uh, so and they got like a lot of flack for this like why would i dox my hardware wallet utxos to you it's already happening i think they just added like better tracking support like if you are doing that yeah i mean encouraging you to take custody of your own utxos again river is a service a bitcoin exchange plus service that is trying to educate individuals buying bitcoin how to properly secure it and they're encouraging people to take self-custody and this is one of the the light nudges in that direction like hey as you take self-custody will help you get peace of mind with this this wallet account software. Yeah, so I mean, I put them together. I put River and Casa adding their bank account buying support with Wire partnership, uh, which which Casa was was already partnered with Wire, but they were using debit cards, so their limits were way lower. Now it's twenty thousand dollars a month, um, and basically the the idea here is. If if you add your hardware wallet to your KYC account uh, that and they don't know about those UTXOs, you just dox the shit out of your UTXOs. Like, don't do that. Like, do not do not attach your hardware wallet that is 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 not attached to River already to River. But if you're buying from River, they already know all your UTXOs. You're best off storing them in your own hardware wallet. So now River's making it very easy for you to do that. Um, Casa's making you very easy to do that. You are trusting both of them with your privacy. You are trusting anyone they have to share that private information with, with your privacy. Know that. But it is strictly superior to a custodial option. Like, we want to see as many on-ramps that go straight to hardware wallet as possible. That is a significant improvement. It's strictly an improvement. You are trusting them with your privacy. They will share that with governments that compel them to. Keep that all in mind. Better than custodying with them. Yes, but then you also... Even if they do that, like you have, you still have control of your UTXOs at the end of the day. Yeah. Like you have control. You're not in a situation where they could freeze your UTXOs, which is not ideal, but certainly better than than the latter situation. But I think there. with River specifically, like don't don't connect like a, a, a hardware wallet that you've been using a shit ton but to, to River. Yeah. Get a new one and make it your River hardware wallet. And, and just use that. And, and same with Casa, right? Like you create a wallet, it's your Casa wallet, buy to that. You're good. Then they only yep. know about what they already knew about. Completely co-sign that. KuCoin, the hack. When was that? That was earlier this year, right? Yeah. Um, or last year. It it's year. going through a custodial mixer, chip mixer. Yeah, what an idiot. Fucking, so yeah, the hacker is sending um, their stolen funds through chip mixer which is a centralized bitcoin mixer similar Custodial. to the one that got taken down yeah like which is more so than like because wasabi and samurai centralized but not custodial they can't steal your funds what uh what does that say about samurai wasabi do you think these these hackers just don't know about those products no do it doesn't that they... so custodial privacy is strictly better if you trust the custodian so 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 CoinJoin is inferior from a privacy perspective than me sending you Bitcoin and you sending me new Bitcoin if I trust you, Marty. But the problem is, is that you could be a honeypot. That's the problem with every custodial mixer is that the custodial mixer, you have to trust them. Every single person that says Xpubs to, to Samurai, 
Like it's the same, it's the same idea, but even worse, way worse. You know, is is like this idea that that you can the 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 sent the custodial mixer knows exactly what where your transactions go, and they can steal your funds. But on chain, it's fantastic. On chain, it's they gave you completely different Bitcoin, not coin joined Bitcoin, not smelted new UTXOs that go in and they see it goes into completely different Bitcoin. You send them a transaction, they send you a completely different Bitcoin. It's way better on chain, but you have to trust the the party that does it significantly. Um, so obviously, these people trust Chip Mixer. I've never heard of Chip Mixer, but supposedly uh, after this article popped. It's like the it's this is the most popular custodial mixer right now by volume. All right, good luck, good luck, good luck, Kukain hacker. Um, I do not wish you pretty luck big news. Criminal. I mean, yeah, it was like a facetious good luck. Uh, biggest news of the day, I would argue. Uh, article dropped this morning that there is legislation on the floor of the Iranian parliament or government or however they pass their laws <laughs> that would uh, force the miners that are being provided energy that is subsidized by the government to send their Bitcoin to the Iranian central bank so that they can then uh, use that Bitcoin to, to purchase imports for the country. Obviously, Iran is a country that the U.S. government does not like. It's been heavily sanctioned, and they are using, or it seems, thinking about using. Again, the legislation has not been passed yet, Um Coindesk saying they amended the law, but if you actually read like the Iranian news source, it says it's still on the table. So I'm not sure exactly if it was passed or not. Any of you Iranian freaks who are listening right now who have better information, shout out Arbed Out. Please let us know if you're wrong. But the way I understand it, it's not law yet. But um, so this would basically mean that officially, I, I think it's the first like official announcement of a central bank intending to accumulate Bitcoin to evade sanctions like we've talked about venezuela a lot like it's pretty obvious that venezuela is accumulating north bitcoins north to korea but they've never been vocal or public about it it's something that you just hear via back channels but this would be like the first instance of actually like legislation uh saying like hey we're going to accumulate bitcoin to evade sanctions specifically like it's usually been hush hush this is the o- first overt um action by by a government that's been sanctioned uh away from the U.S. dollar to turn to Bitcoin. And I wrote about it in the Bent today. I think it says a couple of things. Number one, Bitcoin game theory. Bitcoin game theorists are being proven right. Like if you back uh, somebody into a corner and you don't allow them to access the traditional financial system, you're going to seek alternatives and Bitcoin is the best alternative. And so that is a check in the, hey, Bitcoin is serving uh, the use case that it needs to. And then number two, potentially lead to the next big battle that Bitcoin faces. You have Brad Sherman's of the world who hate Bitcoin and you are dumb if they, if you think they're not going to use this headline uh, and this legislation out of Iran to poo poo Bitcoin and, and try to shut it down. So be prepared freaks. It's coming. Yeah. I mean, you had oil rich countries, energy rich countries uh, with sanctions and Bitcoin is a match made in heaven. I think we've been talking about this on TFTC for a while. I've definitely been talking about this on Twitter for a while. Um, You're just an idiot if you're not doing it. Uh, Venezuela already kind of set up the model. Iran is formalizing it 
pretty much. Uh, they not only legalized Bitcoin mining, um, but now they are saying that the Bitcoin miners that are legal have to then use that subsidized electricity, which they're mining Bitcoin with, to then sell the Bitcoin back to the central bank. So the central bank can then facilitate subverting sanctions. International trade. Yeah. yeah pretty so crazy. They're formalizing the fuck out of it. Um, this will be a problem for Bitcoiners. Uh, <laughs> we knew this was coming. Uh, if, if you were paying attention, you just didn't have your fucking head in the sand. Like we knew this was coming. And, you know, that's what happens with better money. You know, better money is used by bad people as well as good people. Like bad people realize it first, usually. Uh, so it is what it is. And to be clear, the Iranian people are not bad people. The No, the Iranian the, government is bad people. Yeah, the Iranian government is terrible people. This is Iranian being used people. by the Iran. The good people of Iran are not selling their Bitcoin to the central bank. That's true. Um, to be clear. And the good people of Venezuela aren't selling their Bitcoin to Maduro, right? For his stupid yeah. ass Petro dash fork pre-mined bullshit. Yeah. So I guess... Uh, not saying that we're trying to shift narratives or form narratives here. You have to fight for those individual Iranians and yeah. Venezuelans being subjected to their despotic governments who actually benefit from Bitcoin. Like I believe those benefits far outweigh the negatives of, like, I believe just like true freedom, the true freedom of the network does a much better job at benefiting the individuals under those despotic governments than it does aiding the despotic government if you can block a dictator then the dictator can block his dissidents that's what it comes down to if we can block a dictator then the dictator can block his dissidents and we can't have that you know and overwhelmingly it's a net benefit and and that's that's basically where we stand um i think we skipped over reason finished their fourth they had their Ooh. fourth episode of uh, Cypherpunk's Right Code, um, which is a video series, a video documentary. It comes out to about 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Go watch that. That's what it's all about. Like, I watched that. I was super hyped. That, 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 Sh- that's what it's all about. Shout out to Jim Epstein. Yeah. Uh, number one. Huge shout out. For putting out this documentary. Number two, he's been a supporter of the newsletter and the podcast for quite a while. Number three, Reason and Jim's dad. Why is Jim's dad's name escaping me? Uh, Gene Epstein. Uh, he runs the Soho Forum in New York, and they have... Oh, shit. Very... I didn't realize that connection. Yeah. yeah. Father-son. Gene Epstein does an incredible job of running an incredible debate series in Soho in New York. Well, at least before COVID. Um, that we've been to many times before. It's pretty uh, cool when you're a fan of both the father and the son, and you don't realize that they're related. Right? Yeah. Um, so just shout out to the Epstein family, reason.com, uh, the reason foundation for putting out that documentary series. I wrote about in the bent last week, the first two parts, uh, but the last two parts are, are very, uh, very good as well. Definitely go check that out. Our boy Bitcoin sign guy gets a considerable tick towards the end of the last part. I mean, the, part the four. Urban dude, right? Yeah. And actually <laughs> considering the, considering the Iran topic that we just talked about, I think Tim may particularly in part four, of this documentary series has very good points. Like this technology exists. You just have to put up with the fact yeah, that that's what I was thinking. people, you, you pe- people you don't like are going to use it. Deal like, with it. Yeah. It's for the better. It. Yeah. Um, 
shout out to that. We're two hours in now, dude. This was a rip. I love you all. Stay humble. Stack sats. Don't fucking fee FOMO. And just be good to your fellow human. Yes. I love you, freaks. Peace and love.